Welcome to Transcending Workspace, where we talk with leaders of organizations managing the greatest rate of change in human history. I'm Matt Watson, VP of Development with Apex Facility Resources, an integrated services company that delivers and manages workspace change for clients of all sizes. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Super excited today with my guest on the Transcending Workspace podcast. They are what I would call an OG in the Puget Sound real estate community. (laughs) Meet Wendy Miller, the Dynamic Managing Director at Talon Private Capital, leading the charge in real estate since 2012. With over 27 years experience, she's expertly managed TPC's vast portfolio valued at $2 billion and spanning 7 million square feet in four markets. Beginning her career as a successful broker, Wendy seamlessly transitioned into her current ownership role, bringing with her a wealth of industry knowledge and a knack for fostering key connections. Her dedication extends beyond the office, actively participating in industry organizations and serving her communities throughout various board positions. Wendy's proudest community achievement, co-developing a sports facility in North Bend with her husband, John. Balancing her thriving career, raising five accomplished children, she exemplifies unwavering dedication and remarkable versatility in both her personal and professional life. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you, Matt. My goodness, that's uh, that's quite the introduction. Makes me sound, you know, way better than I think I am. <laughs> so well, thank you. We know you're an OG. 27 years. I mean, my goodness, you must have started when you're just a little baby. Yeah, just straight out of preschool, just (laughs) right, right into the industry. Mom put me to work. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey. What are the kind of the key highlights of your of your career? I mean, it's been a long, very successful run, significantly a long run with TPC. So yes, um, I feel like I've been lucky. I fell into commercial real estate actually when I moved here to Washington and I did it the old days way. We didn't have the internet like we do now. Um, I I answered an ad in the paper with um, a company called Speaker Partners for a receptionist job um, in property management. So that's how I started. I was very fortunate. I had some great mentors starting out. Um, I realized pretty quickly that property management wasn't exactly my forte. I don't like it when people complain. Um, and that's part of property management, right? <laughs> so I realized very quickly that that probably wasn't a good route for me, but I got to meet so many different people as we do in this industry. It's kind of the, the exciting part of this industry is why you don't feel like you're moving forward in one area, you get to meet so many different people in this industry. So I, I ended up meeting several brokers and frankly started down my path on the, on the brokerage side and started to meet a lot more people in that regard, clients, other brokers. And frankly, I ended up meeting Bill Pollard, got to know him over the the many years. And when the the market turned back in, you know, 2008, 2009, it wasn't great. It wasn't great for me personally. It was a tough road. I think for most people, ironically, that's when Bill Pollard and Jim Neal decided that they were going to start a private investment company at probably one of the biggest downturns of this market that we've ever seen. And I was fortunate enough to get a call from Bill Pollard asking me to come and join Talon Private Capital. And when Bill Pollard calls, you don't just hitch your wagon to somebody no. like Bill Pollard and Jim Neal. You you solder, you know, big steel beams to, you know, your wagon to their wagons. So that's what I did. And, and I've been very fortunate to work alongside those two gentlemen uh, for the last 12 years. So it's, it's been a great ride. 
Well, and I think that, you know, even going back a little further, some of the characteristic that I think has been some of your foundation is, I mean, you ran track in college, <laughs> right? I mean, you did track and cross country. Mm-hmm. And I've, I don't know if anybody's ever seen a cross country meet. That's like the test of will. <laughs> I mean, that's what a nightmare. I was thinking about this. I was trying to figure out how I parlay this story actually into some of the things that you and I were going to talk about today. And and funny enough, I, I do have to tell this story because it's just, it's part of my personality. I find it that it's, you know, it has helped me along the way in all of the different real estate cycles. It helps me when I'm feeling down and I'm going, how do I get back up? How do I figure this out? I, I was running in a race. My mom was a single mom of five children. So I mean, she had a lot to do, you know, and she was a working mom. So she's, she's one of my mentors and one of my heroes throughout my life, mainly just because of, of her drive. But I remember running a race. I was a senior in high school. We were very poor. I knew the only way I was getting to college was through a running scholarship. So, you know, drive, determination, all of it. And I remember one race, you know, the, the pressure was getting to me. It was just, it was a lot. And I, I quit the race. I was ahead. I was ahead by a far margin, was going to win yet another race. And I just got in my own head and I quit the race, literally sat down in the middle of the race. They've got walkie talkies everywhere. And Wendy Marzetta's down, bring medic, blah, blah, blah. Well, medic didn't come, but my mom did marching across the course over to me and I'm sitting down and she leans over and she says, what's the matter? And I said, well, I just, I don't feel good. I thought I was going to throw up. My mom knew me. She knew I wasn't a quitter and she leans down and she says, next time you think you're going to throw up, I better see chunks. (laughs) (laughs) She later apologized. So, you know, I didn't have a complete slave driver, horrible mother, but it was one of those learning lessons that she was trying to teach me of don't quit just because you feel the pressure. You've got to move on. And I think as we all move in this particular market and just in commercial real estate in general, we're going to have those hard times the pressure is going to get to us but the reality is you you just can't quit you got to keep moving on and i think that what you're describing is kind of overcoming obstacles Mm -hmm. and i think the hard part sometimes today and we've talked about this because your kids and my kids are the pretty much the same vintage of kids (laughs) and they have these unbelievable tech connections and social media and everything else is out there and i think pretty quickly identified that in both our lives there was an obstacle to overcome and Mm -hmm. it seems like there's not that much presenting itself as obstacles to kids as much as you you know I guess we I don't know maybe I'm I'm thinking I walked uphill both ways to school I don't know (laughs) you know it just seems like that's a key recipe for success later in life going through not just trauma but obstacles and overcoming them as we're you know kind of coming through our teens and early 20s We've all heard it. And I think as we've all raised children, we've tried very hard to shield our children from failure. But, you know, at the end of the day, isn't that how we all learn? And we've heard, I mean, people our age, we've heard it, we've experienced it, we've seen it, but failure is not always a bad thing. And you do have to let your kids fail. I think we still learn from it. Okay. What worked, what didn't work and how do we move forward? Yeah. The other aspect we talked a little bit about is the dynamic that you're a woman in a very male dominated, and I was going to say fraternal, but I'd say fraternity like (laughs) environment. And you said, hey, you know, early on in your career and throughout your career, you've embraced that and you've embraced being different and it's actually benefited you. How have you leveraged being who you are 
obviously we know some of the foundation of who you are today came from, but I mean, I think it's less than 5% of women are in commercial real estate. Well, I love this topic. I love talking about it with other women in commercial real estate. I have to say some of my best life friends are women in commercial real estate. We're friends outside of the industry too. We've raised our kids together. We all hang out together out of the industry. So I love women in commercial real estate. But I'm also not afraid, and I actually embrace the fact that a lot of times I'm the only woman in the room. And that's okay. And I like it. And frankly, I think it gives me the differentiator of being the only woman in the room that I become memorable. And so when I talk to a lot of women that I mentor within this industry, the younger women that are coming up is embrace it. Don't, don't shy away. Don't, don't feel like you're a victim because there's so few women in commercial real estate. Own it. Walk into a room confident that, you know what, I'm going to be the most memorable person in this room. Because I guarantee you, if you speak up, if you be seen, if you say certain things that are educated and on point, they are going to remember you a lot more than they remember the two or three other guys that happen to be in the room that may have said something as poignant as you, but you're the woman in the room. So be memorable, embrace it. Don't be a victim in this industry. It doesn't matter. I have never felt anywhere. No man in this industry has ever made me feel inferior. I don't know if that's just my personality, but I also wouldn't allow it, but I've never felt that ever. Almost 28 years in this industry, no one has ever made me feel like, oh, well, she's just the woman. So don't listen to her or I couldn't do enough or I couldn't be enough or I couldn't succeed. Like never, never in my career. In fact, I would say most of my mentors in this business have been men and every single one of them have wanted to see me grow and succeed. I don't see being a woman in this industry as a detriment. I find it to be a huge positive. Well, I mean, I think the other thing that you mentioned to me in our chat before this podcast was in commercial real estate, perhaps unlike a lot of careers, you got to learn how to grind. Mm -hmm. And that's a universal trait. More women know how to grind in terms of just getting it done and overcoming all those obstacles along the way, perhaps than men in a lot of cases. And so that might be also an advantage is that you, you know, obviously you ran cross country, which is like I say, it's a grueling throw up sport. I swam for like <laughs> one year in high school and that was it, you know, because that's just crazy workouts. You had to learn how to grind and overcome and work when you're tired and basically shake it off and get it done. Yeah. I always say that you can't teach talent, but you can teach work ethic. I think that in anything that you do, if you want to do it well, you have to be driven. You have to have that mindset and that work ethic. And if you don't have it, surround yourself with people that do have that work ethic, you know, that are going to push you, that are going to bring you along. Commercial real estate, since we're on that, that topic really is, it is a grind. It's not easy in any facet of commercial real estate, not just what I do, but in all of it. You've got to work. You've got to get up every day and be ready to go and make sure that you're going to be making the phone calls and you're following up and you're in front of people constantly and you're delivering the things that you say that you're going to deliver. You have to stay on it. It's a grind. And as for women doing it better than men, I don't know. I like to think, I'm sure there's some psychologists out there that have certain studies. I've heard of them. I don't totally believe in them all the time, but you know, women and men work differently. Women have, I think, a tendency to be able to multitask a little bit bit better than men. Men tend to have their boxes and work in those boxes and then move to the next one. Yeah. Kind of changing gears, you know, working for the two men. I mean, Bill Pollard's another OG as well as Jim. I don't mm -hmm. know Jim as well as I know Bill. Bill is just this 
genius in the industry and obviously right place, right time, doing the right <laughs> thing more than once in this life. I, I tell you, talent as it's set up seems to be one of the best diversified commercial real estate orgs with locations in Seattle, Portland, Dallas, Austin. Yeah, Seattle, Portland might be suffering a little bit, but Dallas and Austin are booming, I think, mm-hmm. commercial real estate occupancies in terms of office occupancies up. How is Talon and you being key component of this managed through the current market conditions and what they are? Tell us what's going on and kind of where you're seeing the challenges and the opportunities. Mm-hmm. We do have a diversification of, of location. We also have a diversification of asset class, classes and types. So that not only helps us as a company weather some of these storms, but you know, it, it also is a good foundation for our investors too. We're not sticking all of our eggs in one basket. I think... <laughs> It's a challenging market out there right now. I think we're all challenged. I mean, you know, sure, Seattle and Portland might be faring a little worse than Dallas office market, but they've got their own challenges too. So it's a matter of understanding your markets and your assets and how you move forward with all of them. If you are a 50,000 square foot or more tenant in this, in any one of these markets, you're feeling really good. You are king of the castle, but for owners, it's a long slog. So, you know, back to the, the grind and the grit, like... This is not for faint of heart. We've got to work every day. And every day there's might be a new challenge, but there's also a new opportunity. And unfortunately, in, in markets like this, I think the opportunities come because others failed. And so you mentioned Bill Pollard and Jim Neal. They've been around for a very long time. They're well-versed in these cycles. They're well-versed in seeing good and bad investments and in, in deals. So we have been, you know, cautious over the last several years. And I think it's going to pay off for us. Made sure that our chicks in the nest are on firm foundations and we're doing all the right things for our assets. And so now we're able to look at some of these failing or potential failing propositions out in the marketplace to either acquire at a new basis, which is great. Sounds like the vultures are circling, Wendy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or, I mean, you know, the other thing is finding opportunities too. It's not just an acquisition. You know, Talon was the largest receiver in the history of Washington. So it's coming in and finding opportunities to help lenders that may be in trouble, that may have a troubled asset. It's finding those people offering our services to be operators and potentially owners in the future because we've done it, we did it well, and we're ready to do it again. It's crazy how it just kicked off with Bill and and Jim in 08 and 09. And everybody was like questioning, wow, what's he doing? You know, and (laughs) it's, it's pretty cool to see where it's gone. That's for sure. Okay, so what lessons are we learning in the current market challenges? Kind of you said, hey, you got to kind of take the lessons and put them into motion and, you know, learn from those things. What are we learning? Yeah, I think we've, at least our team here at Talon, we all have fairly diverse backgrounds in commercial real estate. So we've all dabbled in different things, which has been great. I think the other thing is, is we're, you know, while we have some newer folks, we've got some seasoned people here too. So this is personally my fourth cycle that I've been in. And, you know, I think you learned little lessons from each particular cycle. And and what I love to hear from everybody right now is, 
this one's so different. This one's different though. And I'm like, every single one of them was different. I mean, we never saw what was coming for each one of the different cycles and the downturns of the market. We had to figure out how to manage our way out of them though. What do we need to do different? How do we need to be agile, be versatile, switch around how we're looking at particular deals, work with our lenders, work with brokers. It's a matter of what's working, what's not, and running with some of those items until they're not working anymore. And then you got to switch gears again, looking to see what, what will work. So I think we continue to just grind work. I think for us, it's not just about, you know, when you're looking at the metrics out in the market and none of them look fantastic for us right now, it's also perception. Do we have a financial problem, a numbers issue? Yes, we've got them in tenant improvements. We've got them in interest rates. We have them in commissions, in concessions. I mean, we've got number problems that don't seem to make sense in this market right. right now. But we also have a perception problem. You mentioned right at the beginning about where we have our portfolio, Seattle and Portland, you know, they're not faring very well. Yeah. Well, if you talk to a lot of people in the market, that's exactly what they're talking about. Oh, Seattle, Portland, they're bad. They're horrible. They're this, it's crime. Yeah. It's well, what are we doing about it? Some of it is things that are outside of our control, which is okay. Municipalities have to step up and actually do their jobs. But the other part of it is what are we as an industry doing to help? with the perception? What are we doing to help go, no, I'm, I'm going to present my building. I'm going to present me as an owner. I'm going to present me as a manager and an operator of an asset to the outside world, to tenants. I'm changing the perception of how you guys should do business in my asset. And these are the reasons why I think you should be here. This is a reason why I think you should trust us to have your employees come back to work in my asset, because I'm going to do all of these things and we're going to make it wonderful. So I think there's some perception changes that need to happen within all of these markets mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And I think yeah. that we talked a little bit about some things outside of your control, which, you know, technologies enabled during the COVID pandemic, you know, this whole work from home and hybrid mentality, which, you know, expedited, it was on its way there, but we were probably not going to see what we see today for another 10 years is the projection in my workspace furnishing and interiors industry was saying, and it just pushed everything forward in such a hyper way that it's kind of a shock and awe situation, I think. Mm -hmm. But you made some really good points. And we both have kids in the workforce today mm -hmm. that kind of even were kids in the pandemic era, went to school remotely, came out, mm -hmm. started working remotely, semi-remotely, or a couple days a week. I kind of sense that people are starting to push their employees, you know, not just with amenities and trying to attract them to better workspaces, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm getting, hey, Amazon's going to a four day and mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot more four and five day mandate. I know that's music to your ears, but you had some thoughts about hybrid work environment and what you kind of share with your kids. Share that with us. Yeah. So, I mean, if you'll indulge me to get on my soapbox for a minute, you know, mainly just because it makes me taller, Matt. Um, <laughs> this is another big conversation, one I love talking about, because I do have, we have five kids that are going into the workforce or in the workforce right now. And I just, I read an article this morning about the Gen Zers. So that's 26 and, and under and how they feel in this big survey that they feel like they are being failed in the work environment because they are not being being trained appropriately. They're not being given the tools to succeed in their whatever roles that they happen to be in. Now, my first thought on that and chuckling, because again, I have children this age is 
you haven't been in the workforce long enough to decide that you haven't been trained <laughs> enough to further your career because you're still young and you should be learning. And that's just the instant gratification of the world we live in right now. But I think where we are failing them is the leaders of companies are failing these young children, young workers, mainly because those leaders aren't coming back to work. They've decided that I like to work from home and I don't want to come in and fight traffic and do these things, they feel that they are more productive at home. Well, that might be the case because you've done this for 20 years, but your next generation of workers need you. They need to see you. They need to see how you succeed. They need to see how you fail. They need to listen to you, talk to customers, coworkers, new people. They need to hear and see and feel and experience all of these things because that's how they're going to learn. They don't learn from a Zoom call or a Teams call where you're on it for 20 minutes and you bark some orders at them and then you guys all go off screen and they're sitting there in their apartment trying to figure out what to do. No wonder why they feel like, and by the way, as leaders, yeah, as leaders of the company, is that truly how you think people are going to learn? I mean, what kind of skill sets are you teaching them? This is the next generation of the people that you think are going to take over your company. What's your company going to look like when the people that you're teaching are literally learning over 20 minute little increments and have no real world experience? And so translating that into commercial real estate, This has always been, and I I truly believe it always will be, a relationship business. It's also a tangible business. We're not selling ideas to people. We sell tangible assets, a space, furniture, improvements, all of these kind of things. So how do you learn about those things if you're sitting in your apartment or your house or something like that? You have to touch them, feel them, tour them. You have to go and meet with your clients. They have to see you face to face. They've got to see your mannerisms because they have to learn to trust you. I couldn't agree more. I I think that when I saw this big push into amenity-driven workspaces, increasing social space and meeting space and all that, the biggest holes that I don't see how hybrid work or work remote will fill are both onboarding and training and development of young workforce. You're hitting a nail on the head there. And I think that you're right. I think that's perhaps if I could anchor on one thing, the way I learned is the way that others will need is by doing. And it's by doing side by side people who have done it. And I think that's a a key point. And I think that people are recognizing that a couple of years into this. And I think it'll just kind of increase. I don't think we'll ever see the occupancies, Wendy, that we saw in the heyday. I still think there's going to be some holdouts to this thing. I think there'll be weirdness. But you know what? And then if I can just touch on that really quick. You know what? We are, as a society, we are people that create. We innovate. We've got, you know, these minds that do all sorts of wonderful things. And they create certain things. When somebody creates something new, they've got to pull people together in order to make it better, in order to go sell it, in order to implement it in order to do these things. So unfortunately, I think over the last several years when we've all been separated, we also haven't had that collaboration of ideas and invention and all of those kind of things. So I believe that when we all start to get together a little bit more, those ideas and structures and things like that will actually grow and we will start to see more and more people occupy space. I mean, Whether we occupy every single building to 98% occupancy, I I don't know. But I think we'll continue to watch things grow. Yeah, I agree with you. 
So as we kind of wind down here a little bit, I was going to ask you in our local or regional Puget Sound area, what do you see in the Seattle Bellevue market and how it sorts out in the next 12 to 18 months? Or is it going to take, I mean, another year, year and a half? I know there are a lot of buildings that are kind of you know underwater with their mm-hmm. lenders and interest rates aren't helping and valuations aren't helping. Mm-hmm. Where do you see things? How do you see things in the Seattle and Bellevue? I know Bellevue seems a little healthier than Seattle, even though occupancy is probably close to the same. Yeah. But we're looking at record. I mean, we're close to 30% of vacancy and you and I've never seen that in our career. No, I mean, it's, it definitely is tough out there. And, you know, I'm not a big slogan person. I keep hearing these stay alive until 25. Yeah. You know what? It's great. I kind of look at that as those are for people that don't really want to work in 24. So they've just written it off and it's only February. And so they're going to just write it out and let other people do the work. And hopefully they'll ride those coattails in 25. I think the next 12 to 18 months are going to be work. I know that's, kind of a four letter word to most people these days, but that's what needs to happen. We got to get back to work. And for people in our industry, it's going to take a lot of different thought process, a lot of ingenuity, a lot of conversations. This is where the relationships come down. You better have really good relationships with your lenders, with your brokers, with your contractors, because all of us are going to have to really fight through all of this to get through it. And we will, but it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I also agree with you on relationships and connections because I think in any times of uncertainty, I mean, those are the things that get tested. Mm -hmm. And then you find out who you really are, you know, in great relationships with and who you're not. I think this is all a healthy filter to put our industry and our businesses through. Like grandpa always used to say, or grandma used to say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And you know what? I go by like the guy from Jerry Maguire that's, you know, relationships are everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that. It's well, true. I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. I've been eyeball. I've been you're in my you were on my target list to get on this podcast because oh. it's been, um, you know, you and I haven't really spent a lot of time together in the last few years, but we've known each other for over 20. I know. I really appreciate you spending the time and sharing your thoughts. And I'm hoping that those who have had the chance to listen to this podcast really appreciate the things that you've shared today. Thanks again, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me at any time. Love to talk about it. Thank you for tuning in to Transcending Workspace. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to our channel. Visit apexfacility.com for more information about how we can help you build an adaptive workspace.